which kind of leads me to where I want to be today, um, talking about, I'll just say what a success we had at Vacation Bible School. We had some really good lessons this year. Um, I didn't sit down and, and read them per se, but I saw the questions. We had a little competition every night, and the questions were really good ones. And they really reminded me of something that I think is very important. And so I want to talk just for a few minutes about the sanctity of life. And it's really important today in our culture, maybe more than ever, that we remind ourselves of what that means. And I'm thankful that Vacation Bible School, we were able to teach so many young children what it meant. We were able to focus on the idea that everyone is made in God's image, that everyone has a purpose, everyone has value. I just kind of want to reiterate some of that. So for some of the young ones, this will be a repeat from what you heard all last week, but it's good to get a reminder. Maybe I'll point out some things that you didn't get pointed out or just remind you of some things that you talked about. But the problem is we live in a world today that tells us that there is no purpose. It tells us we were all an accident. It teaches from a very young age that Somehow some thing crawled out of a swamp and got legs and lungs and then gradually became monkeys and then we became people. And that type of thinking, while I think completely incorrect, also goes with the idea that you therefore have no purpose. You were an accident. You just became. And there is no purpose. There is no design. You are entirely an accident. And because of that... It either teaches directly or implies that you should just do whatever you want to because there is no purpose. right? If we're not guided to do anything, if there isn't a purpose to being alive, if there isn't a goal or a purpose in living, then the alternative, like I said, whether explicitly taught, which in some cases it is, or just implied from the teaching that there is no purpose, is that you can just do whatever you want to. And I think the problem is in our society we've learned that lesson really, really well, haven't we? And we've seen a very continual down decline in many ways in our society because society says we don't have a purpose, says just whatever you want to do, whatever feels good, that you have no value. And to take that even further, and again, I'm sorry to keep getting on cultural society's bandwagon here, but it makes it even worse because it tells you, society tells you that even some of the characteristics that you have are of no value and in fact are the opposite of that. You should feel ashamed if you're white. You should feel ashamed if you're black and don't follow the same ideological viewpoints as those people say that you should. You should be ashamed if you're a man because you live as a man. You should be ashamed if you're a woman. It also tells us and implies that animals are basically equal with humans. And they're not. Again, none of this seems like it should be very difficult to define or to to state, but it's important to state it. That doesn't mean we should flippantly be abusive to animals or not take care of them. In fact, we're actually told the exact opposite. But animals are not people. And that's important for us to understand. And as these and many other lessons uh, flood our society, whether it's in our schools or whether it's what we see on television or social media... We take these lessons and we internalize them. And I'm afraid this is part of why we're having the breakdown in our society that we do. And all you have to do is look at suicide rates, which have really continued to skyrocket since the mid-90s, really early 2000s. What about 
depression. You know, we're like the most medicated country in the world. On and on and on, we see all kinds of problems in our society, and I think a lot of it goes back to not understanding that there is a reason that we are here, that we are valued as those who are made in the image of God. And so I'll read a verse that no doubt we read during vacation Bible school, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, a verse everyone's familiar with, at least everyone who's here today. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heaven, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now we are told explicitly over and over and over again in the same sentence that we are created. And when we create anything, we know this ourselves, there is a purpose and a use behind it. When you create a work of art, you have a vision and a purpose in mind. When you create a meal, you have a vision and a purpose in mind. When you make anything, you have a reason and a purpose behind doing it. And just in case you're curious, you can go look online later today. Back in the 60s, they tried to create music that was purposeless. A bunch of people like banging things together and no rhythms and no shared tones. And you're shaking your head. You know, you've listened to it. It's absolute chaos and no one wants to listen to it because it is purposeless. We are purpose-driven people because we are made by a God who is perfect and has a purpose. I says, Very fundamental. As I said, animals are below us. They are created. They are important. We are to take care of them. We are to um, uh, grow them and take care of them. But listen, they are not equals with us. We just had to have a recent court case decide whether or not an elephant was the same as a human. And thankfully, right now, they're saying no. But, you know, someone will try again. God created man in his own image, and in the image of God he created them. Male and female he created them. Now, I won't go too far down that path because I did that a few weeks ago, but male and female he created them. We are created in God's image. You could say that, again, as I, as I said, I talked about the sanctity of life. And to be sacred means something that is set apart, something that is different, something that is holy. And so when we talk about the sanctity of life, I'm not saying that we are necessarily holy, because in the fall, a few short verses after what I just read, when man sinned and sin entered the world, the image of God was marred. Okay? We are punished because of the sin that we have, so we don't look as much like God as we did at creation. But we are still separate from the animals. We are separate from creation. I have mentioned this time and time again from behind this pulpit and will continue to do so. If you look at the creation story, how did God make everything? He spoke it into existence. And it was. It didn't take him millions of years. This nonsense behind, well, I'm going to kind of believe a little bit of evolution, a lot of, little bit of creation by saying maybe it took God a couple million years to make things. Okay. Tell me where that makes sense. The reality is God spoke out of nothing something into existence because he is all-powerful, almighty. He is the creator. He is the one who gives and has purpose and vision. And when it came time and everything was good, the one thing that was lacking was mankind. And for mankind, he scooped up the dirt. He formed us with his hands and then breathed life into Adam's nostrils. 
That is the most intimate thing that could possibly happen. He didn't speak us into creation. He got down, and I'm going to, this is how I envision it, and I could be wrong, and someday I'll find out, and you can blame me later. But I think of this, and I picture God on his hands and knees, forming us carefully out of dust, and then bending over in the most intimate act that two people can have, and breathing mouth to mouth his spirit into us. He made us. He formed us. He cares about us. He made us Special. He made us sacred and apart from the rest of all society. And we, therefore, should treat all people with the dignity and respect that deserves. Regardless of skin color, regardless of gender, regardless of age or intelligence or disability. All of these, are they not lessons that we learned at Vacation Bible School this week, that are important for us to remember Because we can get too far away from this story, as most of society is, and forget the value and the importance and the sanctity of life that God has created. Now I want to hit just a couple of other verses real quickly. Matthew chapter 10, and just a few verses in 29. Matthew 10 and 29 Now understand, this is Christ speaking, and He's talking about us not having fear, but I want to make an application that I think is worthy to be made here. Matthew 10, verse 29, and He's saying, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows." Now, this is a tremendously wonderful and comforting verse to realize that God loves us so much that he knows how many hairs we have on our head or lack thereof. But the reality is God knows us intimately because we're created and designed for a purpose. Now, to go even further than this, and I don't know entirely, but I've heard it said one time that really you could interpret this. We often, or at least I would often think, we talk about a sparrow falling, I would always think, well, a sparrow dies, falls to the ground. But you could entirely interpret this passage as every time a sparrow hops, which they do a lot when they're not flying, from here to here to here to here to eat all over the ground, all over the trees. Imagine that. It makes it even more intimate, isn't it? Every time millions of little birds hop, God knows it. Every hair on your head, God knows it. If that doesn't show that we have value and worth as individuals, I don't know what does. God loves us. He created us. He knows us. If he knows every time a little worthless bird, and that's kind of what this is implying, a little tiny value of a penny, the cheapest animal you could buy in those days. If God knows every time one of those jumps up and down and flutters around, what does he say he knows about us who are worth immensely more than any sparrow or any amount of little birds. This idea should motivate us as believers to share that with other people and to stand up for other people who need to be defended. It's the idea that brings us to an idea of having justice. It's the idea of protecting other people. It's the idea of encouraging and loving other people. We should tell and demonstrate through our actions the sanctity of life with everyone that we deal with. It should motivate us to love other people and to love them 
individually. Not big whole groups of people. That's really impossible to do. We can only love people individually. That's how God loves us. That's how we should love others. And so church, the point that I want to make today, and I think it'll be very brief, we must live this out in a world that desperately needs it. We must be the opposite of what the world teaches. When the world teaches and encourages and implies that there is no purpose, we must stand up and say, no, there is a purpose. When the world teaches and encourages and implies that you can just do whatever you want to, and as long as it feels good, do it, or whatever makes you happy, we must be there to say, no, that's not the goal of life. Your supposed fleeting happiness is not the goal. Why do we have to do this? Because no one else is doing it. See, this is really the, the point I'm trying to get to. Whatever trend we had in our society, when we were taught the scriptures in school, when more people went to church, etc., when we had a society that was based on biblical principles, this was set as a bedrock of something that everyone knew, again, whether they were taught it specifically or just implicitly kind of raised to know that this happened. That doesn't mean everything was great years ago, but the point is we have lost this in our society and we as believers must stand firmly on this principle. God made you, God loves you, and God has a purpose for your life. And we must live it deeper than a bumper sticker. We see those a lot too. God loves you. That's great. We must truthfully and personally interact with people and tell them how much God loves them. Because you know what? Believe it or not, the world doesn't know it. The world doesn't know it. It's not taught it. It doesn't understand it. And that's why we're seeing, I think, some of the actions that we are. We must carry this message to a lost and dying world because the reality is the world is teaching the opposite. And as I mentioned, just to be clear, I don't think we can any longer assume that people know this, these things. We cannot assume that they understand the Bible stories, that they've ever read the Bible, they've ever heard the gospel. We are very quickly and rapidly approaching a time in our culture, in our culture, in our society, where I would guess people have never truly heard the whole gospel. They know something about it, something over here. And so it's our job to take them and to love them and to show them the truth and show them that they have value. We cannot take this job for granted. As I mentioned, there's two parts to this that are so important. One is educating, and the other is demonstrating. We must be able to, and you don't have to call chapter and verse, but we must be able to explain to people <coughs> excuse me, the truth about the gospel. We must be able to demonstrate by our testimony and by our knowledge and by our own experience, <coughs> what the Bible says about them, that they have value because the world's telling them they don't. But also very important with that is we must demonstrate it. This is where you find true sincerity, is it not? This is where I really love to hear the stories. We have such a church filled with so many teachers. 
And what I know about many of these teachers, or I'll just say all of them, is that they truly care about their kids. And you can see that both in how they act here, but in how they ask for prayer for their kids. And what I know, based what I think I know, and I'm pretty sure, what I'm pretty sure that I know is that those kids can see that you all care about them, can they not? And probably different than some other teachers, sad to say, and definitely different than maybe even their parents and maybe even anyone else in this world. And that is exactly what we are called to do. Whether you do that at work, whether you are a student and do it with other students at school, whether you do it with your family, whether you do it with the church, wherever you go, you should be living a life that shows people that they have a value, they have a purpose, that God loves them, and therefore I do too. Even your enemies. Hard to do, but we're called to do that. So it's not enough just to teach and educate people. We must demonstrate the love of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says this, For the love of Christ, I like this version best, compels us, because we judge this, that if one died for all, then all died, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. Our society, and many of, especially of our young people, have a large hole in themselves. They're missing all of this and they fill it with anything they can to feel satisfied, to feel happy, to find purpose and peace in their lives, but none of it lasts. And we as believers who have had that hole filled by God, who understand the value and the purpose in life are to go out and to just share that with others, to share that love. And we should be compelled or constrained to go and to do that. The love of God should compel us to share that love with other people. That is how we demonstrate the very love of God. As it says, not henceforth living unto ourselves, but unto him which died for him and rose again. So this idea that those of us who have know the love of God, we have been bought with a price and we are to now go out and to make sure that we understand the sanctity of life, the value, the purpose of life, and that we are to uh, spread that forth with every effort that we have. We should be compelled to do it. Now, this isn't a compel as in like, I'm going to force you to do it. It's that we should be compelled by the love of God. And so we should be stirred and driven to do these things. Here's the point out of all this that I'm trying to make, both to those who are here listening and those who may listen later. You were created, which means you have a purpose, which means you have value. Doesn't mean life will always be fun, doesn't mean you always get what you want, but you have value and you have purpose. And when you are separated from God, because you have such value and such purpose, he sent his only son to die on your behalf when you didn't believe in him so that you could be reunited with him so that you could actually live out the purpose you have for life, the goals and the directions that God wants for you, and then compel you through his love to do that to other people. 
See, this is the beauty of what we have. This is what separates us from others. I saw a post recently. I thought about writing it down, and I decided not to, but it was an atheist, an avowed atheist. And he was going on, and he was giving all this data about the universe. It's this many light years wide, and it's this many different you know, planets, and all these amazing facts, and I'll just assume they're true. I have no idea. All these amazing details. And then his little snide remark at the end was, and Christians think God loves me. And I saw a man who I don't know who replied, that's the point. See, that is the point. That in all of this mess, in all this world, in all this creation, God loves us individually. And if God loves me, that means there's a purpose for my life. It means there's a reason that I'm here. It means there's something I'm supposed to do. And when I find all those things in Jesus Christ... My new purpose is what? To share what I found with other people. So brothers and sisters, when you go out this next week after VBS, young ones, after you've learned these lessons, when you go out this week and when you go back to school, a couple months from now, don't get excited, carry this message forward. Love other people, value them, and not just Demonstrate it. That's important, but also tell them. And don't just tell them, but also demonstrate it in how you care for them. What I have found over the years is when you genuinely live into someone's life, when you look into their eyes, when you respect them for who they are, when they don't have respect for themselves, when you give them a hug that shows them that they care, when you do something for them that they know they don't deserve, there's something different. Seize and capitalize on that moment. Be compelled by the love that you received from God to share with them why you're doing this. It's because I care for you. It's because I love you. Why? Because God loves you and he loves me. And he showed me at one point in my life what it meant to be loved. And it changed my life. And I want you to have the same thing. I want you to be whole. I want you to be full. I don't want you to be empty. I don't want you to be pointless. I don't want you wandering lost. I want you safe in the arms of God who died to bring you back to him so you know why you are living. That's the beauty and the message of the gospel. I didn't quote any verses. I just told my testimony, my experience. I was lost, but I'm found. I didn't know why I was here, but now I do know why I'm here. And I know that it means that I have value, and that means you have value and have a purpose. And no matter how broken you think you are, you're not so broken that God won't redeem you. So, brothers and sisters, let's not stop sharing that message now that our vacation Bible school is over. But let's learn it well and share it with others. I want to close with a verse, a couple of verses, almost a chapter. And then I guess I'll probably close in prayer. This is a great verse if you're looking for one to share with people. And maybe even heard a couple lines, either correctly or taken out of context. But it reminds us of the importance It reminds us that no matter where we are in life, God is there because he is everywhere, because he is the creator. It reminds us that before we were born, 
we matter. We matter to God and He is everywhere. O Lord, You have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night. Even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, They are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Lord, we come to you today, and we are thankful for the words that you inspired the psalmist David to write. Words that describe the relationship that you have with us, the desire that you have for us. Lord, that tells us that no matter where we go, where we find ourselves, in a high good point or in a low bad point, in trouble or in plenty. Lord, even before we can speak, Lord, you are in it and everywhere and you love and know us. Before we were even born, you were with us. You knew and you planned. And that plan is for us to love you with all of our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind. And you knew in your plan that we would fail miserably at that. And you created a way, a way for us to be reunited. And so, Lord, I pray that you would please fill every one of us with this understanding. Lord, that you would compel us and fill us with your love to go out and to tell a lost and dying world, this is the way. This is the plan. This is why you have value. This is why you have a purpose. You are not here on accident. You are not here alone. You are not here for your own self-fulfillment. You are here to be loved by God and to love God. And so, Lord, I beg you, please help us these next week, these next days, this next month, to go into a world that has never, ever heard these truths and speak boldly the truth of God, knowing that your spirit will follow.
Knowing that when we can just muster a single verse, that the verse goes out, Lord, and does not return void. Lord, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Lord, I praise you because you know the number of hairs on my head. Lord, I praise you because you know the goings in and goings out of every person on earth. And you are able by your power to see and understand all of us and to have compassion on all of us. Lord, I thank you that you designed and made me. I'm thankful that you care about me. I'm thankful that you love me. And Lord, I ask that you would help us all to carry that message out these doors to the world that has no utter idea, who's lost and undone, who's aimlessly searching for what you are trying to offer. And that is a purpose for our lives. Lord, I thank you that you care about us. And we praise you that you do. In your holy and precious name. Amen.